Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Meandering Movie Podcast. Uh, this week we've got a very special episode for you because... <coughs> because I'm really, really ill. Uh, so, we're going to have podcast pal uh, Ryan and Gavin speaking this week about... I have a small note. Where was it? The episode that Gavin Ryan did on Scorsese and Coppola shitting on Marvel. Now... I don't know what exactly what that means or nor what it entails, but hopefully it's a cracking episode and it's hot premium content like everything we do on this on this podcast. So enjoy. I'll be back next week. I'm so sweaty. I'm going to die. Um, yeah, you should probably do the, the intro any any minute now. I feel so weird. It's just it's odd. Do you want me to do it? Because no. it's going to be extra weird if I do it. No, I'll do it. <sighs> It's meandering movies. It's meandering movies. It's meandering movies. So won't you lend an ear? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Meandering Movie Podcast. Currently, it is myself that's doing the intro, which I'm already kind of off kilter by. Uh, but Gary's not here for this episode. Uh, so instead of Gary, I've found a better replacement. I have my friend. Ryan. I don't want people to think that Gary's like, I don't want people to think that I've like, taken over for Gary, because no, that's not true. That's not, I mean, it's more likely you'll take over for me, and you and Gary will just This take, is your flat, so that would be weird. But yeah, but Phil likes him enough, he'll... Who's Phil? Audio boy likes him enough. <laughs> I mean, legally, this is my flat. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay, no, that's fine. I, I mean, I pay the bills. I don't know what you want from me, I give the money. Pay the fills. I pay the fills, and I do the bills. I should have swapped those around. So yeah, today uh, we're just going to do like a wee bite-sized episode of the Many Move podcast uh, where Ryan and I, or this is Ryan's idea, we are going to talk about the recent comments that Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola made about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then we're going to explore that and other things. Are we? Okay. I thought we were just going to explore that. I mean, it'll expand into sure many other places. We'll meander. Yeah, we'll meander. There you go. So, for those who don't know, last week, I think, Martin Scorsese made a comment that the Marvel Cinematic Universe was like the fairground for for films, and they weren't yeah. real films. They were like theme park rides. Theme park ride for films, that was it. Um, he couldn't understand how they can be called films when there was so little emotional depth put into any of them. And people thought that was harsh. Oh, that's a bit harsh. Until yesterday. <laughs> when Francis Ford Coppola was like, when Coppola hold decided, my beer. <laughs> decided to say... He went further to say that they were despicable, I think was the word he used. Um, he completely agreed with what Scorsese said. Um, and I'm pretty sure there's some other comments being made as well. I'm pretty sure Jennifer Aniston last week made a comment saying they were ruining cinema. Um, there's been a few other comments as there's well. There's been celebrities in the past. Celebrities in the past have said that the cinematic, like, cinematic universe has really ruined it. Tony O'Neill, who's not famous, <laughs> he's just he's someone, someone we, we, know, we know. He said that to me before in the past as well. Yeah, he's not a fan. I think Tom Hardy, Robert Pattinson. Mental Tom Hardy said it. I know. And Robert Pattinson. Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, they've made comments before. Uh, Wacking Phoenix, I think, also made comments at one point. I think I'll let, it, let was, Wacking Phoenix have it. That was my Bluetooth speaker turning off. Phil shakes his head as he has more work to do <laughs> for free. I'll, I'll buy him a pizza. So yeah, uh, we are, of course, both fans of the MCU. We've we've 
we went and saw Spider-Man Far From Home together. That we was did. A cute wee date. And I was, I loved it. I enjoyed it, especially because of J.K. Simmons. But I don't, I think. I loved it before J.K. Simmons was in it. It's a fun film. I love Jake Gyllenhaal or Yellen Haller. I love the man and I want him in my life. I don't know how you feel if you're similar to me with the MCU. It's like, do you care going forward about what they're doing? I think they've put a lot of work in. Um, but it's getting to the stage now where they've they've given me a lot of stuff that I want. But with progressing, they've taken all that away. So I really enjoyed, obviously, Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. Yes. He was getting a bit much. And like, there's only so far you can really take that character. And he took it really to its lengths either side. Um, and I think it was time for him to bow out. But I enjoyed that. And it's, I, th- I think the main thing for me was when everyone always said, well, who's your favourite Avenger? And I didn't have a right answer because I don't really love any of them. Yeah, it's like, I like uh, Steve Rogers' Captain America. I like that character. I like his arc. I liked him so much more when he stopped wearing a helmet. <laughs> I mean, he's so handsome. Most characters, I want them to have their, like, to have a look of the hero, like with a mask or something. But Steve Rogers was the opposite. I was like, take that off. That's ridiculous. I thought it, looked, I thought it looked all right for what it was. It was okay. Yeah, because that's what it was in the originals. It's just the shape of a human face that put you off. I mean, really. everyone looks better than uh, Mark Ruffalo in those, what he would call them, man-cancelling pyjamas. They were pretty man-cancelling. Yeah. But, uh, so do you feel Scorsese and Coppola's comments? I absolutely understand where they're coming from. As to... The Marvel films are hard work for the people doing everything kind of digitally based. Yeah. The the concept art, um, probably the screenplay, like changing the stories into something that can be adapted on film, um, the editing, the green screen stuff. I don't think it's hard work for the actors. I don't. Like Scorsese did say, there is not a lot of emotional depth. Well, I was going to go the next film. question is... Do you think the MCU lacks emotional depth? Yeah, absolutely. But I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I don't think they're selling it to us as anything different. If they were showing us really grainy, dark, gritty, you know, A24 studio kind of based trailers, I'd be like, and then go and see it, I'd be like, ah, that's not what I expected. But they're selling it as what it is. They're showing you pretty much 90% of the film in the trailers. You're going for the story, you're going for the action, you're going for the fun, you're going for the holy shit there's J.K. Simmons or Spider-Man or whatever. You, you know, we, like, people are buying it because it's what they want. It's definitely what people want. And I think that's something that maybe Coppola and Scorsese and other filmmakers or actors are scared of. It's like, for them, that's not what they want. And they may f- maybe feel that they are, their movies are being pushed aside but it's just, it's just a, like, it's a consumerism thing. It's exactly the same as everything. Like, Coppola and Scorsese's movies are like a little independent coffee shop. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is Starbucks. Like, people want to drink nice coffee. Lots of people do. Lots of people like going and drinking nice coffee. And they like paying money for it. But there's the convenience Lots of... Lots of people fucking love going to Starbucks, though. Yes. And drinking, what is, to be honest, shit coffee. Because it's got that little mermaid woman on it. 
I mean, that's what she is. There's a particular Starbucks that Audioboy will attend sometimes, and I feel like he's fallen in love with at least three of the baristas at the Starbucks. That's a different reason to go. <laughs> like, I'd go to Marvel Cinematic Universe films to see Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Same as Audioboy's situation. Not really. No. Anyway. <laughs> um, I mean... But I think you get what you want. Um, I don't... Well, I, sometimes I get what I want. But a lot of the time with these movies at this point they are what's the word they are assembly line kind of made at this point where I feel like for a lot of them there's no like they were saying there's maybe no emotional depth there's no real difference in the structure of those films in the end they all play out the same way and I think for a lot of them I think they're not daring enough a lot of the MCU I think with DC now we're starting to see them be like hey we tried to make a universe and failed so now we're just going to try and do weird different little films and experiment. That's another thing that I feel like they've taken away from me as Marvel is that the, all the Netflix shows that they've cancelled because that was DC's no it's Marvel stories like daring yeah no pun intended uh, kind of aspects like the stuff they did on Daredevil was really unorthodox. It was great storylines, and um, I think they they suffered a little bit from seasons being a little bit too long. It, there was lots of episodes that got too much. got a little bit boring and stuff like that. But definitely Daredevil Jessica season Jones. one, two, and three I enjoyed throughout. Well, well, see, the problem with Daredevil season two was it was used as a vessel to set up the Defenders and Punisher. Yeah. So then Daredevil. Went. Daredevil season two was in two acts basically. Yeah, the Punisher uh, act I loved. Yes, the electric stuff I was I could have taken or leaving. And then when they showed up for the Defenders, I was like, Don't, yeah. "What a fucking disastrous waste of time that ended up being." The des- yeah, the Defenders was the color palette of the Defenders was great. Yes, everything else was shit. But it, it's uh, yeah, what you say there is great. It's like the Marvel Netflix shows was where they were experimenting because if you look at like how violent and kind of darker and sexualized content and all this kind of stuff happens like daredevil or jessica jones where it deals with um uh, sexual assault and manipulation of someone it's just like it's, yeah. it was dealing with darker themes yeah absolutely the themes were more more reality like more real for people to be able to get yeah. on board with because much like uh Daredevil, I struggle with blindness as well, but it's usually from alcohol poisoning, and I wake up in the morning and I can't see, and I'm like, I understand Daredevil's plight. Stop giving Phil things he has to cut out because they're inappropriate. <laughs> we can leave that in. But I feel like with... Uh, I get where they're coming from, where Scorsese or Coppola come from movie-wise, where it's like, there's not a lot there. But at the same time, personally, Scorsese, for me, as a director, hasn't done anything of note the silence i thought was the last good film he made other than that scorsese's not made anything of note in a long time and i feel his movies are meh he's uh he's he's built an empire based on three or four films yeah which like, is the same as most directors if you look you know? at like, raging bull taxi driver i guess king of comedy the departed like people lose their shit over those minds Gangs in new york <laughs> was good man problem with Gangs in New York is Leonardo DiCaprio was in it yeah problem with lots of films is Leonardo DiCaprio's in it and Leonardo DiCaprio he's a fine actor but one he can't do an Irish accent and two he was just so outplayed by Daniel Day-Lewis in that film that it's like it's not even funny 
Yeah, he was young though. I don't like. I think Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't make Gangs in New York a bad film. I think with Gangs in New York, it's just a. I mean, both Cameron Diaz and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio for me just kind of like brought that film real down. Whether like their whole love story is, I don't care. And that's the thing with Scorsese. It's like. Like you said, he's built an empire off of a couple of incredible films. Like Taxi Driver is like one of the best movies ever made. Raging Bull is one of the best movies ever made. But outside of that, when people talk about The Departed, or they talk about Guys in New York, or they talk about many other of his films, I was like, they're just... Eh, like. But I think that's the whole point with being like an artist that you are as a director, is that you're going to make, in your career, millions of pieces of art, but four or five of those pieces are going to be the ones that people are hanging in galleries when you die. I mean, interestingly, if you think about it, the work that Scorsese and Coppola have done will live longer and outlast... The Marvel Universe. The majority. Like, I think Iron Man and maybe one of the Avengers will be movies that, like, stand the test of time because they were tentpole moments in film history. Yeah. But your Doctor Strange or your... I've already forgotten the Ant Man films. It's like the Thor, the two Thor movies that weren't Ragnarok. It's like these movies. Nah, I like Thor: Dark World, but anyway. No, you don't. <laughs> I don't mind it. It's, we won't get into that because that could be the rest of the episode. Christopher Eccleston's best role, mate. <laughs> he doesn't do it. He's just a shadow on the wall. Yeah, but he's a t- best role. Handsome looking shadow. Uh, no, his best role is definitely The Leftovers. Anyone needs to just go watch The Leftovers. It's one of the greatest pieces of television ever made. Not true. He's really good in Gone in 60 Seconds. Oh, yeah, he is in Gone in 60 Seconds. God, that movie's great. I'll stand by that movie. But yeah, uh, I feel this... I mean, how much longer do you think that this comic book MCU thing go on for? Because like I'm saying, like... A long time, man. You think it's going to... They can... They'll stretch this shit out. But I mean, we've... we've been down these avenues before where it was like we had the time of the swashbuckling pirate movies in the the 30s we've had the the time of the the gangster movies of the the 70s and 80s and then we had the western that lasted from like the 40s maybe the 30s up until but the big difference with these movies is money i mean with the westerns it was the westerns funded hollywood for a lot yeah a long time but the money these films are making is beyond Hollywood's wildest dreams. I mean, I think they're saying that Joker... It's just broke box office records it's the for highest, a rated film. Yeah, and it, it's going to push its way towards a billion dollars. And I'm yeah. like, for how okay that film is, that's insane. They've had to, like, cordon off the, the stairs in the Bronx. Yeah, because everyone's because, just going and, like, taking pictures yeah. and stuff. It's, like, it's, it's mental. And it's, it's been like, out for, what, two weeks? Two weeks, yeah. And this is it's made such a cultural impact. And, you know, I love Whacking Phoenix in it. I watched Walk the Line yesterday, and he's actually so much better than that. I watched a, uh, I think it's a nineties movie called Buffalo Soldiers with him in it. Yeah, he's just he's like Joaquin Phoenix is is. There's not many films that he's bad in, to be honest. Yeah, like I think him and Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master sitting across the table from Philip Seymour Hoffman might be one of the greatest scenes I've ever watched because it's two of the world's best actors just giving it their all to each other, and it's amazing and. Wacky Phoenix, he's going to be one of those actors that, much like a lot of Scorsese films, stands the test of time. Yeah, he will. And like, you were never really here as well. I think I spoke yes. about that in the Joker. Oh my God. Shout out to Lynn Ramsey. Peace. Boss. Love you. Um, yeah, that's such a great movie. I mean, and he is so good in it. He is, yeah. Ath- <laughs> but I think, yeah, these superhero films 
or superhero based films, films based on comics, are making so much money. And with that money, it's boosting already the comic book market. Um, Marvel's Absolute Carnage series, which has come out just now, which is mental, by the way. Like, really, like, it's really pushing the boundaries, the boundaries of... Because in the name. It's Absolute, Absolute Carnage. Yeah, it's, yeah, but it's like, you know, one, of, Mar- one of Marvel's best-selling uh, comics is Old Man Logan. Yeah. Old Man Logan is based on um, Logan being... Wolverine, for those who don't know, being old, not having used his claws for a while. He has a family. His family are killed by Hulk's inbred family because Hulk has taken over the world. Like, and I'm pretty sure, I can't remember the writer of that comic. Um, Arvin Welsh. It was not Arvin Welsh. <laughs> Audio White, Mary could Shelley. you check for me the writer of Old Man Logan? Um, but I think it was his last deal with Marvel and he'd written some good shit. And he basically said, yeah, I'm going to write something mental. And he accepted it. And it made money. And then it went on to inspire the film. Yeah, kind of. I mean, there's elements. Obviously, the yeah. Hulk stuff and all that doesn't Yeah, exist, absolutely. Yeah, it did not play in. But, but like, the, the cinematic stuff is really adding to the comic books and allowing them to be more lenient and to be more mental. And the Absolute Carnage stuff is insane. I think the latest person who has a symbiote in Absolute Carnage is Jonah Jameson, which is crazy like yeah it's 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 really back and forth and i don't see them losing anytime soon especially with disney okay when you've got the powerhouse of disney behind you it's It's written by mark miller oh so it was (laughs) there we go (laughs) not the mark miller we used to work with no not him mark miller's a a powerhouse on the yeah the comic book scene comic book scene i'm pretty sure he's scottish yeah he's scottish yeah he did like i think he did kingsman and stuff like that yeah he did so and those movies are terrible so he didn't do the movies <laughs> he was, you know I think he helped he, like co-wrote the script with Matthew Vaughn yeah the script's not bad that anal scene still problematic yeah why is that there so so I awful. watched Tara Egerns I don't know why uh, Robin Hood last week yeah I saw that in the cinema That's, oh really yeah <laughs> well at least I just watched it in my living room well that's the joy of an unlimited card you know you get it was, to see it all was the okay. treats the word I would use to describe it is not not even the word it's the movie existed. Yeah. I never thought about it afterwards. I never cared about it I when watching didn't, it. Yeah, true. I didn't think about it until right there when I said that. <laughs> because we talked about a different film. The only thing with that film is it had some, like aesthetics wise, it looked great. Yeah. I liked some of the ideas they had with like uh, the way they tr- they taught, not taught, the way they treated archery in that film and the, the costume design and the work by everyone in the art department was like, they made something look interesting. Yeah, they kind of made it really industrial and they modernised Robin Hood a little bit, but still keeping it relevant. Yeah. And then, for some reason, the writer of the film and the director of the film went, look at all this incredible work they're doing. Let's not do anything then. Let's just make the blandest thing ever. Yeah, it was pretty bland. And then Will Scarlet being the... the Sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah, that was yeah, played, it was weird. Played by Jamie Dornan. Yeah. Also, uh, I love Ben Mendelsohn. He is a great actor. He needs to pick different roles than exp- like rich bad guy. Yeah, because Ready Player One, uh, uh, Robin Hood, and there was another one, like a third one that came out all within a short period of is it Rogue One. Rogue One. There we go. Just like. Just you're just playing the similar kind of sinister 
wealthy bad guy. Well, who, he's not a wealthy bad guy in The Place Beyond the Pines. He's great in The Place Beyond the Pines. He's not a wealthy bad guy. Is he a wealthy bad guy in The Dark Knight Rises? Yes, he is a wealthy bad yes, guy. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> he's the one where like Tom Hardy puts his hand on him. He's like, do you feel powerful? Yeah. And this gives you power over me? Captain Marvel? Uh, he plays a, uh, what do you call it, Skrull, who's like a refugee, more or less. Oh, yeah. Not movies. I mean, there's another perfect example of just a nothing movie. Like that came out, it existed, it went away, and I've never thought about it again. Yeah, I, I actually didn't finish it. I mean... I didn't bother. I watched... Might, I can't remember where to... It might surprise you that it ends in just a big bunch of explosions. Which kind of brings us back to what we're talking about with these movies, but it's like, they are of the time the biggest thing, and they will continue to be the biggest thing for a while. I think nothing will ever come close to Endgame ever again. But not, I mean, in terms of like cultural impact and money and response yeah, from people. But I think if you really think about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you care about... So if you think about it as in a straight line, so you're starting off with Iron Man and Thor and Captain America and it's all in a straight line. And then that straight line story starts to get into the Avengers stuff. So those three films, four films, if you want to include the Ed Norton's Hulk, they meet the Avengers film. Yeah. And then after that Avengers film, the first one, they start branching off. So they start branching off into the sequels for all those films. And then we get the Ant-Man and the Spider-Mans and the the Guardians and all that kind of stuff. So they're like a big branch of stuff. When it started to branch, everyone gives a shit about the first line of films. So going on to the first three slash four into the Avengers films, everyone really cares about those. And to be honest, everyone's watching everything else around that. I'd probably say excluding Guardians to keep up to date with what's happening in the Avengers. So for instance, people are going to see the Ant-Man because they want to know how he's going to play out in the Avengers films. People are going to see Captain America because they want to see how she's playing out in the Avengers films. Captain Marvel. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, yeah, whatever. The one that's got whatever. Yeah, the woman one. Uh, stop saying sexist stuff about Brie Larson on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> never once. Uh, <laughs> the one like even Black Panther as well. Yeah, like obviously that got a huge, huge, huge review for being a great film, and it wasn't. It was so Michael B. Jordan, really good. The film, really bad. Because it's again, it's a paint by numbers situation where it's like. If you break that film down to its base qualities, it's just an origin movie. Oh, I guess kind of faux origin movie, where it's kind of like, and it ends with him fighting a CGI rhino. And he was like, "Well, oh, I forgot uh, about that." I mean, it had, had Every, some, the whole film was CGI. Uh, the CGI was awful in that film, like particularly unpleasant in that film. Yeah, I think they spent all their money on Doctor Strange. She's like, "Fuck, we have nothing left for Black Panther," so he's <laughs> a cartoon rhino. But it's like that film had some really. I think Black Panther was the first one that had something to say in a while. Yeah. It, it, had that, it was talking about society and culture and race. But unfortunately, when while doing that, it then also had to veer off to have the big dumb action scene with the car chases and, and yeah. circus shooting. It's like, go back to the political, sociological conversations you, They could that you're have made having. that a film that maybe Scorsese and Coppola would have liked. I mean, I think Ryan Coogler did a good job. But he, unfortunately, was under the constraint of the Marvel, Marvel Disney film, yeah. lits. Cause and I think lots of actors and directors are going into these films with a 
grand idea of how to make it good and maybe a little artistic and because you can do that like look at logan yeah logan's a well shot well filmed well acted superhero movie it doesn't really fall into the categories and doesn't really feel like anything else we've ever seen. I mean, it doesn't even really feel like a superhero movie. It feels like a farewell drama. Yeah, to even Deadpool, I think, falls into that as well. It, it's well shot, well filmed. The CGI is good. Sometimes a little questionable, that but... 30, I think it was 30 or $50 million budget wasn't... Obviously, more of it went to Ryan Reynolds than it did the CGI, but... Yeah, I mean, Ryan Reynolds plays like two characters in the second film, so... This is true. He's like the Tilda Swinton of the Fox Disney universe. Yeah, they're true. And I'm still not sure that Rebel Wilson doesn't play the wee boy in the second one. (laughs) I'm not not 100% on that. They said it wasn't her, but (laughs) that wee boy is quite a lot like Rebel Wilson. Oh, those two need to be in a film together now. He actually looks like Rebel Wilson. They could do Jack and Jill 2, but with Rebel Wilson and that wee boy. Or they could not do Jack and Jill 2. That's true. With uh, Al Pacino's Don Cacino. Oh, fuck but I mean, you you made a point there. I thought was good was they're getting some of the directors they get into the MCU, like your Taika Waititi's or your James Gunn's or your Joss Whedon's, have a voice and their voice comes through in those films. But a lot of the time, you look at like Ant Man with I think was uh, Phil something, not you know Audio Boy. He didn't direct Ant Man one and two. I mean, they had a. Uh, uh, Edgar Wright was originally tapped to do the Ant-Man movie and he had yeah. a vision, he had a voice and they went, no, we want your vision of voice to play a part in our universe and he was like, no. So they got rid of him they brought in some dude who has no vision, had no voice and just made two of the blandest superhero movies that have ever existed. Peyton Reed? Peyton Reed, there we go. He, Don't know why I read that so weird, Peyton Reed. <laughs> Peyton Reed? Uh, but it's like... Peyton Reed who did really bad films <laughs> The Breakup Yep Down With Love Yes Man oh. He, oh, and he came back for Ant-Man and the Wasp he did both films yeah he did both of them and, and to be honest they are the highlight of his discography and if anyone out there has listened to our uh, Marvel movie rankings episodes I ranked Ant-Man and the Wasp as the worst of all of the MCU movies even under Thor The Dark World so Mental that all of those are under Captain America the First Avenger. Captain America the First Avenger is a good movie. Captain America the First Avenger is boring as fuck. It's not boring, it's a good origin movie. They could have shown me Captain America the First Avenger in a 20 second flashback scene and it would have had the same effect that the whole film had on me. Okay, that's... I can't argue with that. But where I think another mindset of Scorsese and Coppola are coming from is the MCU doesn't foster creativity from a lot of its directors it doesn't foster creativity from really anyone apart from the guys doing the cgi i mean yeah the guys who did the cgi in doctor strange well done to them because they did a lot in that movie to make it i think the big achievements are keeping a story keeping it noticeable keeping it memorable people are going people are still going to see the cinema they're they're getting people involved the trick of, yeah, we'll make these side films, but we'll put this character in the next Avenger film. People are going to see it because they want to stay up to date. Again, done really well. Having a film with such a phenomenal number of huge actors in it and not letting anyone really shine through is a skill in itself. Like, it's <laughs> equally 
mapped out for everyone. Everyone gets time. Everyone gets their, you know, their gets to have a say. Yeah, their moment of action. More so, I think, in Infinity War than in Endgame. I think the annoying thing about Endgame was all the heroes they left behind were all the shit ones. (laughs) Your Rocket Raccoon, your Black Widow, your Captain Marvel, Hulk. Yeah, all all the shit ones. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Hulk was like, I'm half my, I'm half Hulk, half don't care. You sure he's tacos with Ant Man? Don't care. Okay. And I think one of those children is actually uh, Paul Rudd's children. Yes. Is that true? It's one of the. It's either Paul Rudd's Downey Juniors or um, Mark Ruffalo's child is one of the children in that. Mark scene. Ruffalo, I think, in the diner scene, that's one of one Mark. of the children in the diner scene belongs to one of the people <laughs> it belongs in to the circle. Was. They're not Scarlett Johansson's children. Someone else in the circle owns one of those children. Owns is maybe not the right world. It's an interesting. Hey, it's choice. Hollywood. Yes, it's true. And who uh, owns that child? <laughs> Kevin Spacey. <laughs> That's the new game show we're going to start. <laughs> Who owns this child in Hollywood? Is it Chris Pratt or is it Ellen DeGeneres? It's like, oh. oh. Anyway. Does Ellen had kids? I don't know. Or why could you find out if Ellen DeGeneres has children? Why do you care? I don't know. You know. And their names as well, please. One of them's called Generous. Oh, God. <laughs> I really hope he is called Generous, though. Generous DeGeneres. <laughs> generous DeGeneres. Wait, you know her name's not Ellen DeGeneres, right? What is her name? I think it's Degenerates, is it not? No, it's Degenerates. I hope it is, but I don't think it is. I mean, her name's definitely not Degenerate. She's not, like, I'm Ellen the Degenerate. Ah, oh, shit, yeah. That's got a double meaning. Also, it wouldn't play well on, like, afternoon TV or whenever the Ellen show Oh, it is Degenerates. But it's not spelt like generous. Degenerates. Uh, I really just made myself look like an idiot there, didn't I? Makes an exchange for it being me. Yeah, true. It's my turn. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah, you're an idiot. I wish Gary was here. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see him later today. It'll be, we'll just tell him about the wonder we had. Uh, so, Ellen... Oh, we're still on Ellen? Degenerate aside. Okay, we're not. Okay. Let's try come to a conclusion. Uh, my annoyance at myself is that I don't think Coppola or Scorsese are wrong. I am with you. I don't think they're wrong. I think the way they've gone about speaking about it... Is wrong, yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're wrong, but I also think they're two old men who kind of need to get with the times. Have a Yeah, but then, to be fair, they're also two old men who have made some of the greatest movies in cinema history. They don't give a fuck. Yeah, but they're also like, like Scorsese's like, yeah, they gotta, you know, stop using the same actors all the time and doing the same stuff. The Irishman in cinemas next month. <laughs> Robert <laughs> De Niro. Al Robert Pacino. De Niro. Al Pacino. <laughs> and uh, oh, what's his name? Stephen Graham. Stephen Graham's in it. Ray, uh, Ray Romano's in it. Pesci. Joe, Joe Pesci. Pesci. That's what I was thinking of. Interestingly, The Irishman's the first time Scorsese and Pacino have ever worked together. Yeah, that sounds about right. But then, of course, Scorsese has... If he doesn't have De Niro, he has DiCaprio. So what's like. Al Pacino's best film? Um, Jack and Jill. That's, that's fair. That's fair <laughs> you can't, shirt. like, when he opens his shirt and it's got donuts on the inside, I'm like, genius, give him the Oscar. It was yeah. so 
he really went to a dark place for that role. Yeah, he... Uh, it was called uh, Financial Ruin is where he went to for that that role. Yeah, he was basically phoned... Harvey Keitel is in it as well. He was basically phoned by Direct Line in the UK. <laughs> and they're like, hey, Al Pacino, can you reprise your role in Heat? We've got Harvey Keitel in the other line. He's going to do his Pulp Fiction role. But if he doesn't want it, we'll give it to you. <laughs> and he's like, no, it's fine. I've just signed up for Jack and Jill and... I Even think it's like, going to be a big hit. Yeah, he's like, uh, direct line are like, shit, Jack and Jill. <laughs> fucking hell, man. I'd have taken the, I'd have taken the heat roll in their adverts. <laughs> Where are good for you, buddy? And hang up the phone. Good luck. Yeah, good luck with Jack and Jill. <laughs> oh, I mean, poor Harvey Keitel. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's really lost it, hasn't he? That and Kevin Bacon. Like, Kevin Bacon's a good actor. He's been in some really good films. Stop doing the EE adverts. I don't think Kevin Bacon's a good actor. Kevin Bacon's a good actor. I don't think I think Kevin Bacon's a good dancer You watch Kevin Bacon and Mystic River I've seen Mystic River He's fucking good in that Sean nah. Penn obviously steals the show He's written well Sean Penn's in it Sean Penn's so good That's like Remember when Clint Eastwood used to be able to direct movies That's it. I'd love to watch Clint Eastwood do an MCU movie Because uh, Did you ever see his most recent movie The Mule No that, I think that's the last one I saw was Audio good. Boy and I had the, the wonderful displeasure of seeing The Mule Is uh, it bad? It's just Sad Really there's two separate... As in the film sad or how it's made as sad? How it's made as sad. Oh. When he like... It's, it's Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood, a 90-year-old man, has two threesomes in that movie. <laughs> two? <laughs> two, yeah. two threesomes. Wow. Two threesomes. That's two more threesomes than I've had. <laughs> I mean, it's so... Just sad when you watch it. I mean, someone's going to you, right? You're in this film. You're 90 years old. You're directing it. What are you doing? He's like, well, my character... I've got a story for him. So this young, this young hip counselor is coming in. So yeah, what's my character doing? He's like, your character is a pedophile. <laughs> my character has eight threesomes and snorts loads of cocaine. And when I'm not doing that, I'm drinking Pabst Blue Ribbon on the porch. Hey, but Clint, you do that in all your film. No, I'm the director. I'll be doing it in this film. <laughs> then this woman comes in and she's like, oh, I'm an aspiring actress. Like, yeah, yeah, you'll be in the first three threesomes. <laughs> <laughs> so you have seen the mule. And the young guy is like, yeah, but you know, I've been in all these big... Yeah, <laughs> pedophile. Don't care. You're the pedophile. And you'll not be... You'll shut up about that. I mean, I guess I'll be in a Clint Eastwood film, so... Yeah, I guess I'll be the pedophile. Funny how... Stop saying pedophile all the time. This is not America. You know. But... I like to say colour without the U. Funny how... There's people in the world who go to auditions and stuff. And they're like, congratulations, you've got it. You look just like the pedophile we want. <laughs> because there's people who get pecked to be the pedophile and stuff, yeah, and they look like pedophiles. There's the, in, oh, I can't remember who directed it, but um, Gone Baby Gone, where like there's the, the with um, Casey Affleck yeah, uh, and Ed Harris, Morgan Freeman, where like, Sheld gets kidnapped and stuff like that. And the actor they find... He's, in fact, I think Ben Affleck maybe directed it because Ben Affleck's friends with this guy. He's <laughs> Ben and Casey have taken him out for dinner. <laughs> it's like, and he's like, oh, guys, it's my, my round. They're like, no, no, drinks are on us all night, man. We've got something to tell you later, though. <laughs> yeah, because he, he plays the the pedophile in that movie and you're just like, I feel sorry for you, but I can see it why they chose you because you got that look about you of like, yep, he seems like a pedophile. I'm going to find his name. Wait a minute. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yes, Morgan Freeman didn't play the pedophile. Can remember, I can't remember the pedophile's name in it. This will be. Wait, all the all the people in this film are quite big. Is it John Ashton or maybe it's Matthew Mayer? I can't remember. Matthew Mayer and John Ashton look quite similar. It's yeah, Matthew Mayer. Yeah, so they've basically taken Matt out. 
for dinner. Like, hey Matt, uh, and he, Matt is also in Captain Marvel, by the way. Uh, <laughs> everyone's in Captain Marvel. He probably plays a scroll. Hey Matt, we know that you know you're not having a great time in that. Uh, Wait, are you Ben or Casey? I'm definitely Ben. Okay, I'm Casey. That makes sense. I agree with this. Um, I'm the better actor, though, so that's good. But yeah, but that's fine. You're also a sex offender. I'm so. not a sex offender. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we know you've had your harsh time in that weird Nicolas Cage film bringing out the dead <laughs> and you're in Jersey Girl and you know you're you know your your career kind of got bigger when we did Live by the Night but you know you're only in that because because I directed he it. plays a racist in Live by the Night so it wasn't um, and then you also got to meet Chris Pine in The Finest Hour but we really think that the root of your your skill set and you know, you're, uh, you're, you're belonging is, you look like a paedophile, Matthew. <laughs> you really look like you have sex or sexual need with children. And he's gone, sure, can I just keep being in the films you guys do? Actually, looking at this guy's repertoire, he really, really does live off the back of, of uh, Ben yeah. Affleck and Casey yep. Affleck. <laughs> I told you, he's, he's friends with them. Yeah, he's definitely friends with them. But the funny thing is like, Live by Night, Ben Affleck's most recent movie, which I think came out two years ago. He just plays a member of the Ku Klux Klan. I'm yeah, like, he does. But ben. I've noticed that this guy has not had any... Matthew Mayer has not had any films since it came out that people thought uh, Casey Affleck was a sex offender. I mean, obviously he's in Captain America. Captain Marvel, sorry. It's the second time I've done that. So maybe I think that he knew about Casey Affleck and he was using that against Casey Affleck. Maybe. I don't think he was using it very well. I mean, yeah, they were, they were like, yeah, we'll stick him on Gone Baby Gone, who knows. Oh, wow, he actually isn't Gone Baby Gone. <laughs> yes. So I think in conclusion, uh, Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola are pedophiles. Uh, what? No, I was, wait, I got cross-streamed with two different things there. Uh, yes, Martin Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola. All right. They're right, but they, they should have... Get with it, boys. They should have a bit of tact in the future. Tic-tac. Have a bit of tic-tac. Ellen Degenerate. Uh, so yeah, that was another episode of the Meandering Movie Podcast. A decent about and meandering. We would like you to know that we will never, ever be doing it without Gary ever again. Ah, that's fun. It's not. Oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> Gary has a real input for the flow. This was meant to take half an hour. I'm pretty sure we're on 45 minutes. Oh, it's fine, but we'll cut it down. I th- we had some interesting things to say. I feel like it was a decent conversation. I enjoyed our conversation, Ryan. Yeah. I feel now we should go get pints. So we're going to bring this podcast to an end. So if you want to... Look at you pretending that you haven't been drinking this entire time. (laughs) We're going to get more pints. We're going to go and drink liquid at 20 ounces at a time, which if you really think about it, it's a lot. It's a lot. But hey, thanks, Jesus. So if you want to pass on your commentary upon the situation that Scorsese for Coppola and Disney find themselves in, hit us up on the social medias. Go to Twitter at Meandering Pod. Instagram and Facebook, just search for the Meandering Move Podcast. Give us a follow, give us a comment, give us a like. Uh, email is meanderingmovepodcast at gmail.com. Drop us a wee email with anything you want to say. Tell Ryan congratulations for his new job or tell him he's handsome with his wee shirt and his girlfriend's t-shirt. Whatever you want to do. I'm not wearing a shirt for the listener. I've got a jumper on. <laughs> but you are wearing your girlfriend's t-shirt. Yeah. Show off the guns. I'm wearing your girlfriend's t-shirt, mate. <laughs> oh... Uh, and uh, yeah, follow me on Instagram, uh, Gavin's Ramblings. Any girls on Tinder or Bumble who Gavin sends you links to his podcast through, <laughs> he does put a lot of work in. I do. But Phil does the main main 
Phil does all the work. Yeah, but he doesn't want to date them, so date me. No, that's not how it works. Oh, okay, well, that's right. Phil does all the work. Phil's the backbone of this. We love Phil. Thanks, Peace Phil. Out. Love you too. Peace out. Yeah. Bye. It's meandering movies. It's meandering movies. It's meandering movies.